0: is up ladies and gentlemen this is anthony gazenza with the orange and black insider bangles podcast joined by john sharon i'm in a little bit of a different digs here john as i mentioned before we took the air here my usual room is being built out and uh changing so i'm actually going to start really transitioning my bangles cave my man cave my podcast cave into the garage i have no idea if people are going to be walking by staring at me looking at me like i'm a goon and or uh, other other sound effects you may or may not hear but uh we're here it's draft week the cincinnati Bengals are going to be on the clock in just about what 27 hours i think so a lot to talk about tonight how you doing bud
1: i've never seen that movie 27 hours i feel like it's going to be less stressful than what happened in the movie oh wait is your garage door open so just like you are just garage door is
0: open so i'm just out here i'm getting the breeze i'm yeah i mean that's That's that's, such that's
1: that's such a california move i'm so jealous (laughs)
0: It is a little bit, but you know, I also uh, I don't know what my what my neighbors will think think of me Uh, after this one. I usually am in the friendly confines of my own room, and so I can kind of hide out. A lot of them, I mean, the ones that I know around here, kind of know I'm a big Bengals guy. I mean, they see the stuff on my on my car and all that kind of stuff. But whatever. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about a lot of different things as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals and. The NFL Draft. We have a couple special announcements, John. Um, do you want to do the honors on this one, or do you want to? Sp- you do the honors. You do the honors of a couple special guests that we are going to be having over the course of the next couple of days.
1: Well, for starters, later on in this program, we're going to have legendary uh, NFL agent Lee Steinberg join the program to talk a little NFL Draft and what and whatnot. And then tomorrow, we're going to kind of lead into the first round of the NFL Draft. Joined by a very special guest, a former Bengals modern day legend, I like to call him. He was almost he was kind of like a meme at one point, but for a good reason. The Sanu Canoe, Muhammad Sanu's <laughs> going to join us to talk about some Bengals and and some endeavors that he's embarking on with with a great organization. We're going to get catch up on him. It's been about I don't know like eight seven years since he's donned a Bengals uniform. I haven't really heard anything much about him uh, except a wonderful post written on Cincy Jungle about what he's doing. Um, over in Africa and with the organization, helping out people. And it's going to be great to catch up with him for sure.
0: It's going to be good to catch up with him, hear about that. And we, we are, of course, going to be relying on the generosity of Bengals fans. There is a, a GoFundMe um, endeavor that he has he has started to help fund all of the cool things that he's doing. We're going to hear more about that. And, of course, you know, talking about tonight's big guest, uh, John, do you know some of the names that Lee Steinberg – uh, just off the top of your heads, Lee Steinberg represented a lot of big Bengals players. Not so much recently, but big high picks of theirs in the past. Can you name a couple of them or one of them?
1: Well, we talked with him maybe two, three years ago, and I believe uh-huh. was it was it Dan Wilkinson.
0: That's I one was, of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I I know you represented, or maybe still represents Tua. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, but as far as Bengals players, I feel Wilkinson was the one that stood out to me when it first came to mind.
0: Uh, yeah. So that was, that was what he currently represents Patrick Mahomes as well. So oh, that's right. definitely something. Yeah. Yeah. So minor he, client, he you know, yeah, just, just maybe my a tiny, tiny client. Uh, yeah. But Dan Wilkinson was one um, David Klingler was one Achilles Smith was one Kajana Carter. So A lot of these guys that were like the big, big guys that uh, unfortunately led to a lot of heartbreak with with the Bengals and the fans. Uh, But we talk about that some funny uh, some, you know, we're going to talk about that some funny stories and all kinds of different stuff with him. So. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to Muhammad's new coming on the program tomorrow as well. And then we're going to lead into the NFL draft and have some fun. Probably take your questions and do all kinds of different things tomorrow and really kind of have uh, a little roundtable discussion. But John, to get things started, um, we have we're we're going to do a, a one draft profile. We're going to do a mock draft, and then we're going to have the interview with Lee Steinberg coming up here. So with that being said let's talk about the draft prospect that we want to we want to start with tonight and this is hopefully there's it's it's a little bit abbreviated but you know i i'm not going to spoil what you put out there for the um you know a mock draft for the cincinnati Bengals that you put on a to z sports here i'll share the link later but i'm not going to spoil it yet because i want to get to our our mock draft and all kinds of different things here so one of the picks though was this young man, and this is one of the more intriguing guys in this year's draft, because I'll talk about it towards the end of this profile here, but what which, you know, how much production was missed and how much, uh, you know, how, how much production could there have been, if not for a basically a generational talent in front of him? And of course, we are talking about Roshan Johnson, the I hate to say backup because he's not i mean talent wise shows otherwise but you see here here he is 6'2, 222 he's a senior he's 22 years old. a lot of twos 22 years old 222 six foot two. <laughs> senior i uh, just turned 22 so not overly old here 4.58 in the 40 yard dash not terrible but not a burner by any means and there goes. see that here goes here goes the cars <laughs> so uh but here you go here you see here um the the senior, 222, 4, 4.58, um, and, and, you know, th- there are a lot of things that he he did as both a runner and a passer, uh, a receiver, rather, in, in these past couple of years. He's a four-year guy, obviously sat behind uh, Bijan Robinson, and both of them made a nice two-headed monster, though, for the Texas Longhorns. The big questions for me, there, there are a couple of questions, and that's what pushes him to... The middle of this year's draft, potentially round three, round four, that sort of thing. But there are some other things with him that uh, here he is as a receiver. Nice move out of the backfield. Shifty. I see some good vision. I see some good shiftiness. Here he is as a receiver again coming out of the backfield. Not many times does the first guy get him down, and here he is. Uh, uh, Nice diving catch here. Kind of wish he was staying on his feet, but nice catch there. And then here he is, another dump-off pass that he takes for good yardage here down the sideline for a a big gain. Now here he is as a running back. Look at the shiftiness again. Break tackles, break tackles. Here he is again, break tackles. There's one that just exudes exactly what he is about towards the end of the clips here. You see it bounce, bounce out, bounce outside, find the room, find the crease. There he is again, find the hole off to the left side. Not a huge gain, but a nice one to get a first down. Uh, Here's one, look at this. This is the one that just exudes him. Look at how many tackles he breaks here to get into the end zone only 23 touchdowns as a, as a collegiate athlete um, five of those, I believe were last year. Here's the RAS 8.66 overall. Great uh, size grade composite grade. Good. And you look at that 4.58 did not uh, do the agility testing as of recently. This of course, courtesy of Kent Lee Platt and okay explosion grade. So 8.66 RAS still up there in terms of uh, you know, R.E.S. score and, and running back. So tackle breaking machine that I see, he's got a nose. He's not the, the home run guy, but he's just got a nose for finding first downs and extending drives. And there is value in that. I question the breakaway speed. That's indicative is at, at close to the 4.6 yards per carry average. And then of course, I, I question the big play ability. Um, I like the versatility and ability to catch out of the backfield, but I always, I'm referencing this as well. The Bijan effect is what I'm calling it. There's pros and cons to that. Maybe we don't know about uh, enough about this guy and who knows how high the production would have been if not for Bijan Robinson. Right. But because of that, he also didn't beat out Bijan Robinson. So if you're talking about a generational talent, um, he he was supplanted by one, Um, but these guys came, came out with with as a, is a great two headed monster and a, a good attack for the Longhorns offense. Not a lot of wear and tear on the tires either. About three, I want to say 330 or so carries in his collegiate career. Um, he's upwards of, of close to 6.0 yards per carry for his collegiate career as well, John. So a guy that I think, you know, I, I love the ability to, to evade the first tacklers or more than one tackler. I love the ability to maneuver and find the first down. This isn't a guy, though. You know, we, we looked last week at Jamar uh, Jameer Gibbs. This isn't a guy, though. That's gonna that's gonna be hitting home run balls, so to speak, from the running back position all the time. This is kind of a little bit more, probably a little bit quicker, maybe a little bit more athletic uh, of what Samaj P. Ryan gave you. Um, and and I, I think again there is value to that, and the Bengals recognize that type of potential. And um, this this I think this is a player that not necessarily as a three down guy, at least not right away, but a very, very good complimentary back in the NFL going forward, at least to, to start his NFL career. I'd love to hear what you think about him though.
1: Yeah. I researched a lot about this guy just because he just fits what the Bengals are likely looking for running back. Um, his prime score, which is uh, what Ace Boogie, New Stripe City. Uh, he, that's that's his whole thing. And he has a great track record of predicting, Bengals fits so Rashan scored 4.08 which is pretty high uh, considering like the high score is like 4.5 so if you're looking at day two running backs Roshan is one of the favorites to actually become Bengal, and it just makes sense because when you think about what they're valuing in the running backs in this class and what they value running back in general they lost Samaje Piran which is why Rashan gets compared to Piran so much because out of all the backs in this class he's the best combination of runner pass blocker and pass receiver like there's a lot of running backs who are really good at two of those things, maybe one of those things, but Roshan is pretty good at all three. And like you're right, he's not the home run hitter. He's not a four or three guy. It's not really required to be successful at running back. Like, you know, it's a great it's a great feature and attribute to have. But for a guy who's not gonna have negative runs, it's basically him. And That's why he gets compared to Piron so much. But he's I think he's more explosive. I think he's like Pirine had some pretty tough, nasty runs and whatnot, but I feel like it's more easy. Roshan just because he's a better athlete but he's also younger that helps too but just the size the power the balance and again the all-around ability it makes sense why he would be a day two pick for the Bengals because typically those are the running backs that they try to target early in the draft so all that from a football sense makes sense and just doing more research on him as the person like the guy just screams Bengal to me like he was he was born I think on the border between Louisiana and Texas but he was always a diehard Texas Longhorns fan. He was the first commit to the 2019 recruiting class as a dual threat quarterback back in 2017. So he had a dream of playing in Austin, playing for the burnt orange. He was going to to compete behind like Sam Ellinger in like 2019. He enrolled early. He graduated high school early to get there, to go, to go through the program and everything, but they had injuries at running back. So he switches positions. So he, he, he has this dream of playing for Texas, right? And he's a dual threat quarterback. He's a pretty good one. He's a four-star recruit and then he switches positions, right before you know he gets to the program and everything and then Bijan Robinson comes like a year later and he's always behind him right he's he's productive as a freshman and he's projected to take a next step but they get this guy Bijan Robinson like you said a generation talented running back and he just stays there right like most guys in this position would transfer to try to get a better opportunity and I don't blame any of those players because try, try to get your bag man try to get the best opportunity to get drafted early because you had that talent but he decided to stick around at the college that he loved at the college that he wanted to go there forever as a child and he just st- stayed the course, never had more than 96 carries after that freshman year that had a lot of promise. And to think, after all of that, to just being great spirits throughout, just a great practice guy, a great locker room guy, like everything that the coaches Sarkeesian say about him is just it raves his character. It just makes so much sense the Bengals would fall in love with this guy.
0: Yeah, to almost 2,200 rushing yards in his career, uh, 649 of those came as a freshman, never really, got I mean, he got 569 as a junior in 21, 554, um, you know, and then, of course, you know, the COVID year, they did play 10 games that year in 2020, but, you know, that shortened things. So he really, you know, kind of, as you mentioned, drew a little bit of the short end of the stick and kind of did so and, and rolled with it, you know, rolled with it pretty well. And, and you look at the receiving yards here, actually the second best, uh, receiving numbers came in 2022 14 catches 128 yards did have a touchdown reception three total touchdown receptions in his career so some versatility again it's it's kind of one of those guys where I don't know that he's always going to just you know absolutely jump off the tape with these big long runs like we saw with with Jameer Gibbs uh, when we previewed him last week You're, it's not the same player but there's still a lot of value in a guy like this that can you know avoid tacklers find the crease, get the first down, extend the drive, and make sure that a drive is not a punt, not a field goal, but get you closer to the end zone. And, oh, by the way, as he gets towards the end zone, you notice, I mean, that was close to the red zone, that final run there, where he was just bouncing off (laughs) about eight different guys. One guy tried to tackle him twice on the same play, um, that poor guy. But, you know, I mean, you you see that and you go, well, there's the value in the red zone uh, and goal line situations when you – don't want to waste you know three plays trying to just punch it in from one yard out you want to get the, get it in on that first try. This is a guy that could potentially do that pretty easily.
1: So where would you take him because he's projected to go somewhere
0: uh Oh we might have lost John there. Um, we'll have to get him back. He asked the question though where I would take him um, that's that's where I have some difficulty with Roshon Johnson. Um, I have some difficulty with him. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to you, but what, what the hell, uh yeah. uh, yeah, um, I, I don't know exactly where I would take him because it feels like in some respects, because of the lack of production, because of, you know, him basically being a backup running back for a lack of better terms, it's hard to justify and the positional value. It's hard to justify a guy like that in round three right? Even if it's in the back of round three, it's hard to justify that. But if he's a guy that you feel can be a heavy rotational back, if he's a guy that you feel can do all of the things and then some that Samaje Ryan gave you, maybe you feel that he, I didn't hone in on that because I didn't see a ton of it with the pass blocking prowess. I, I didn't find a ton of it on tape uh in the limited scouring that I did. I saw a couple times where he would get in there, they would do kind of the what was it the wishbone type of formation quarterback and shotgun formation two running backs on each side of him. And he would run up to the pile and block for Bijan. I saw a couple of those plays. So, I mean, I, again, it, there's, there are a lot of things with this guy that I think the Bengals staff would love talent. Yes, but character and, and what he's willing to do as, as a team player, so to speak, I think there's a lot of things to like there. This is just one of the things that maybe coaches, maybe staffs just like him more than what the production says and what us dummies here talking, you know, jabbing on, on, on these shows talk about. Right. I mean, I I, I could see him going to the third round. I could see him going middle of day three. Um, and, and I I could see the explanation of both. And again, I point to that quote unquote Bijan effect that, uh, that that would makes this really, really hard to predict.
1: Yeah. I, I had him going in my mock. I had the Bengals treating back, out of the second round a few spots into the third round and taking Rashawn just because the, the players that you think won't go that early, the players who do go early are because coaches favored, right? Guys who just acclimate within whatever scheme and locker room that they have perfectly. And I feel like that's just, that's the fit here. I, I think he's one of their five top five running backs in this class. I think he's probably right behind really? Zach Sharp in it. Yeah. Like I think he just checks all the boxes and like 392 career carries because he's never been a starter it's it's worrisome but like again like wear and tear or a lack of you know over being overworked in college it's never been that's been some of the Bengals' value right like jeremy hill joe mixon gmr bernard never have they invested such a high pick in a running back that's kind of been ran into the ground so i feel like him having fresh legs and staying the course and doing all the right things at texas i think that speaks volumes to them i don't know for up uh, for sure if they have interest, but it just seems like he's checking all all the boxes, and especially because of the size, a lot of these running backs are small. And yeah, yeah he's tall, abilities. he's big. Yeah, he's not six two yeah. by the way. He's, I think he measured at six six foot at his combine pro day. He might have been six oh, okay. at like Texas or whatever, but still tall. Okay.
0: Yeah, I saw, I saw him at six two somewhere. I must have got some bad intel on that one. But wouldn't it be? I mean. Y- it would just kinda there's some similarities with this guy a little bit. This this guy was a little uh shorter, squattier than Roshan Johnson. But Rudy Johnson drafted in the fourth round mm. by the Cincinnati Bengals. You see a, a four, 40 yard dash, John, four point five seven seconds, right? Um and, and so what it what did Rudy I mean he he ran behind a great line. Rudy had some of the best seasons statistically by a Bengals running back ever. And what did he do? He he knew how to not go down on that first contact whether it was a spin move out of contact a, just a little cut or find that crease and and have the vision to to have a couple of, of big runs again not the home run guy but a really really effective running back a guy that just had a nose for the end zone a guy who had a nose for the first down marker I know we don't like to compare players in this regard we did that with Geno Atkins uh last week and in, in some respects with Jalen Redmond but Again, I mean, wouldn't it just be kind of poetic if the Bengals go fourth round with this guy and there are some similarities and maybe this is a guy initially kind of like Rudy. Bide your time a little bit to become that starter and, um, you know, take take the take the opportunity and run with it, so to speak.
1: It would be poetic. I don't think he's going to last to the fourth, but it would be poetic that Anthony Kazenza's last player profile of the draft season ends up being a Bengals pick. Round of applause to you, sir. I think He did like 20. <laughs>
0: yeah i don't know if i did that many no i i don't know if i did that many and and uh i mean don't don't applaud too hard there always seems to be at least one error in each of those so uh (laughs) this is why we need this is why hey if we got any if we got any producer wannabes out there or anything like that let me know hit us up uh that way you can correct all the all the dummy things that i do but i know i appreciate it they're fun to make um it's fun to look at some of the tape and you know uh, some of them are, are obvious players that we take a look at and others not so much. But, um, again, I, I, we tried to run a little bit more of the gamut this this year in terms of backup, quarterback, backup, defensive tackle, running backs, that sort of thing. Hopefully you guys enjoyed them. Maybe we'll run through a couple more uh, on some of these shows that we're going to do over the weekend, best available, all that kind of stuff. We'll see what we've got. We're going to play a little jazz this weekend. But speaking of play a little jazz, we're going to get to our final mock draft and then of course an interview with the great lee steinberg to conclude the show really looking forward to that and looking forward to your guys's reaction to that Uh, it's it's great talking to him but before we get to our final mock draft want to remind folks gotta subscribe if if you uh want all of our content you gotta subscribe to our youtube channel i believe you can click the show icon some people are saying now it's above other people are saying it's below i don't know the show icon's on the screen if you're watching on youtube click that Click subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And of course, give us a thumbs up if you can, if you like what we're doing and all the things we provide on the channel, you got to go give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for news, opinions, analysis, and your podcasts. And of course, if you like the audio side of things, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, this show, Matt Minnick show, Bengal Jim, who by the way may be joining us uh, from Kansas City, via video this weekend we'll try and get him there he's going to be at the draft so we're looking forward to that um and uh of course the great three and out crew jason and kevin they'll probably be pitching in with us this weekend as well so looking forward to that get all your podcasts there and of course don't forget to check out my man john's site a to z sports he's doing some great work over there now we can promote well after this we can promote your mock draft i will i will put the link to your mock draft after this one so that being said, John, fire it up. I think you got – what would you go with this time? Did we go pro football focus?
1: We might as well just end it with that. It was, it was our first two mocks as well, so I got – Okay. We're, we're, we're fully on public board at this point. The consensus is in, uh, and the sliders are basically the same from last time. We're going to go all seven rounds. We're going to try to get through this quick, though. We're going to be kind of on the clock here, so here we go. And the Panthers take Bryce Young, as expected. Don't see too many surprises. Are you here. are
0: you buying in? Is it uh it's Stroud that's starting to get a little um some some stuff that's not complimentary to him or, or uh in terms of where he's gonna get drafted. Are you buying that or is that just I, smoke screen stuff at this I've point? I've seen
1: so many Ohio State quarterbacks at this point fall further than they probably should, so it wouldn't surprise me if Stroud's like pick seven, but it, it makes yeah. sense if he goes to the Colts here. Texans apparently I don't know if that's a screen smoke smoke screen with Will Levis. I don't I know nothing about this top ten except I have heard Tyree Wilson is a favorite for the Texans and I don't think Jalen Carter leaves the top six. So again, no real surprises. Dal- Dalton Kincaid to the Steelers. That might be a little bit of a surprise, uh, but miles Murphy Bengals target Lucas Van Ness, who was talked about by Dave Lapham as a favorite to be picked 28. If he's there, he goes 15th to the jets and Klaja goes 26. Brian Bersi goes 27th. So, we got some popular names here who are still available. Michael Mayer. Darno
0: Wright. Darno Wright also gone. A couple picks uh, before there.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Emmanuel Forbes and Michael Mayer, though, are are at the top, and they're probably going to be at the top of the Bengals board. I think Anthony Mayer was probably looked at as the favorite about a month ago, maybe two months ago, especially after the combine. But, like, if Emmanuel Forbes is here, I think he's probably the pick. Like, there's just too much smoke and actual – connections with, with him and the team if everyone is saying it I, I tend to believe it's it's true because the Bengals are not very good at hiding these things
0: I'm in agreement with you but can you look scroll down yeah so Gibbs is available yeah um and so that would be my only uh maybe Dewan Jones as well I guess but Forbes I think is the guy they probably if he's there they would pounce but this that Gibbs being available gives me a little bit of pause in terms of you know how how hard would they think maybe even mayor too but I think mayor would probably be of these three number three um, so I, I'm inclined to still go Forbes because they love those first round corners but I, I something is just gnawing at me thinking that they do like Jameer Gibbs a lot. Um, oh so yeah, it, I, it's I, been reported I, I,
1: now by like Daniel Jeremiah and Albert Beer that Gibbs ha- is has interest within the Bengals organization. I yeah. think part of that though is I think they kind of feel like if Emmanuel, Emmanuel Forbes is not going to be there, like I'm, I'm not expecting Forbes to be there. So if he's gone, I think now there's some interest. Like yeah, like Gibbs would be like a failsafe, but I think if Forbes is here, like it's not really that much of a conversation, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's go. I, I'm with you. I'll go. I'll go Forbes. So here are the positions to now watch. Um, you've got defensive interior, uh, potentially, I I mean, I guess you can go a lot of different ways, but edge rusher in there in the mix as well. Tight end now still becoming a big need running back potentially, uh, and then offensive tackle. Um, you know, those are all, uh, areas that, uh, should be, or, or could be addressed here. Charbonnet, that's another guy. I think the Bengals probably would really, really like. Um, and then of course, Laporte is an interesting guy too, but, um, uh, can you scroll down after, below yeah. Herbig there? Yeah, Tucker Craft. Okay, Tajay Spears. That that seems more like a next-round type of guy. So, again, the conversation to me, John, it, whether it's Roshan Johnson, whether it's Zach Sharp, you know, are you wanting the guy right now to replace Joe Mixon or are you not? I know our guys at, at Locked On Bengals, um, they had uh, a quote from um, Brian Callahan, talk, you know, kind of talking up Mixon, but there's also – report there are reports all out there also that the Bengals are kind of making an ultimatum too, right? Like so to, to mix in terms of a pay cut and all that sort of thing. So I think Callahan really values, uh, you know, mixing what he brings and everything, but you know, do the Bengals want to get that guy right now? um, You know, that potential three down replacement, or do they say mixing still got a lot in the tank? We still value him. We're going to work on that contract of his and get the supplemental piece like a Samaje P Ryan. And then you wait for running back that way,
1: yeah, this is really between Laporta and Charbonnet. Just because, like, I feel like Shar yeah, Charbonnet is probably RB three in the Bengals' mind behind Gibbs and Robinson, obviously. But Laporta <clears throat> is tied in three behind Kincaid and Mayer and it's just about what position do they value more? What position are they more confident they can find later? I, I think. I think they would probably go Charbonnet here. and I, I don't mm-hmm. think that Charbonnet is a better running back than Porter. Uh, LaPorte is a better tight end, maybe, or if you want to talk about upside and everything that comes with that. But I think, obviously, they do have a history of drafting running backs in the second round, but you talked mm-hmm. about, do they want a compliment for Mixon or do they want a replacement? I think Charbonnet can probably do both, Like w- regardless of what happens yeah. with Mixon yeah. this year. Like he, he can spill as like that receiving back, as a guy you can trust, at least someone in pass protection, or he can grow into that role. I, I think they're not going to be too pressed about taking a tight end. They might be surprised that the board is here, but I think certain factors would have them leaning towards Charbonnet.
0: Can you look and see who just out of, out of curiosity, just go tight end and see who's still available at this point. Um, yeah, I got you.
1: Yeah. So obviously I, I saw Luke Shoemaker. um up, like one of the next up, T- Tucker yeah. Kraft as well. Brendan Strange, I think, makes a lot of sense in the third. Davis Allen is like a third through maybe even fifth. Zach Koontz, yeah. Josh Wiley, Will Mallory, there's still a lot of tight ends left, and I feel like that's how they're going to look at this. Like, obviously, yeah. Laporta makes a lot of sense. We we took him last week, but I, I feel like they probably want a running back more just because they haven't really done anything to replace P. Right. Okay, I'm with you. Let's do it. So far, this is... Blizzard. It's not the best ahead. case
0: scenario, but it's pretty close. I, I was going to say those are those are two very good players and two good picks. I think. Yeah. Um, so the one guy I didn't get a chance to preview just at towards the top there um, was the uh, Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. I really was curious about him. I know the bank. We already picked a a corner um so it doesn't really matter but this I I meant more if the Bengals did not get the corner early you know Hodges Tomlinson I wanted to see a little bit more on him in terms of like hey is he just strictly going to be a slot at the next level how's he work on the boundary that sort of thing just a guy that kind of intrigues me a little bit particularly because of the lineage and um you know potential value in the middle rounds regardless we did not go uh we did not review him so we need to probably look here for the Bengals IDL edge offensive tackle and
1: tight end i'm, I'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw a receiver in there just because i feel like this is, the, this is probably the earliest they would take a receiver but i feel like w- with how the board is right now like marvin mims makes a lot that's of a, sense
0: that, that's an intriguing pick right there yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a
1: vertical slot they, they need depth at the slot long term after tyler boyd and uh, uh you know like we can we can talk about brendan strange for sure like he makes a ton of sense Isaiah mcguire Makes a ton of sense, too. They, they have options here. I think PFF is really high on Mims. He's probably, yeah, consensus-wise, he's probably, like, the mid-third. Mid I think Brent Strange, his is average draft position's in the fourth round. It's, it's, he's probably going to go before that. I think there's a lot of buzz on him, so I think Strange makes sense here. McGuire makes sense, and if, if Mims is here and he's the best player available, I could definitely see that happening, too.
0: Yeah, and uh, is it schoonmaker shoemaker uh, Schoonmaker, Schoonmaker. um that's an interesting one too um man where are you leaning
1: i i want to lean okay. mims but I, I i feel like i i it's just because i didn't scroll down like i think i think the actual board will will reflect strange being closer to even maybe even the early third round picks i feel like finding him in the hmm. late third round when they still haven't taken a tight end. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I, it's just not a defensive lineman that's like screaming like I need to take him. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah, no. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I Mims is just – I'm looking at the value there, and I'm going, hmm, that's interesting. Um, but they, they really need a tight end at this point. Um, and you know that well, maybe getting pretty dry unless you wait till late. Um, I'm fine with Strange, honestly. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, okay. let's
1: go ahead and do it. All
0: right. Good. Cause How are we they doing do so s- far?
1: I, I think I think we're doing all right. They they do seem to be on track to take a receiver because they didn't take one last year. But yeah, like they're, they're still going to value taking a tight end at some point for sure. So let's see here. We don't have a ton of glaring names just sticking out to me. Um Kobe Turner and Moro Jomo are two popular guys mm-hmm. who always seem to be available at this point. Um mm-hmm. Nick Herberg. I don't really know a ton about him. Um but he's projected to go probably in the 3rd round as well. Mhm. Anyone's uh, sticking out to you?
0: Yeah, um Oh, Joma, what's... Do you have offensive tackle in there, too, or just tight end?
1: Yeah, I can I can sort that with that. So, Nick Saldirvi, he makes a lot of sense. Like, a third, yeah. fourth guy. Um, but other than that, not not a ton. Like, I know Warren McClendon has some fans, Parker Blake being one of them, but him being injured right now, not testing, he's probably going to go a little bit later than this. So, maybe not an offensive tackle at this point, unless yeah. we're, we're down with, with Saldirvi. Um but yeah, like they, they might be looking at a defensive lineman at this point. They, they still want mm-hmm. to, to get that position. It's just that they, they really, it really does feel like they need one more pick in like the first 150 and so to, to really get all these needs. But one, one need will essentially be sacrificed.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is also where you got to look at, you know, what happens with Jonah Williams this weekend, right? Um, right. You know, the, is, this that, that could change the trajectory of their draft. Um. I don't know, man. I'm I'm thinking uh, one of the either Herbig Turner or Ojomo. Um, That's kind of where I'm leaning there. I don't I don't think the tackle uh, Saldivar's the the route to take there. I think they'd probably go developmental later um, at this point with these names on the board.
1: Yeah, I I think I think Herbig makes sense just because he's probably the best value at this point. Value still feels the need. Yeah, so let's go ahead and take him. Again, don't know really know anything about him. That's probably not very good for the draft being a day away. So, <laughs> okay. Well, we got Ivan Pace Jr. still staring at us. He's fallen this far. That's
0: that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Keaton Mitchell. If, if you want to double dip, he was connected to the Bengals a little bit. He was DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. So,
0: so just so you know about Herbig. Um, for for those who, and I'm a little bit educating myself a little bit, 20 sacks the past two seasons, nice. uh, 9 and 21, 11 last year. I'm looking at 30 tackles for loss the past two seasons, 15 and a half last year, 14 and a half the year prior. Um, kind of a linebacker edge tweener guy. He, he weighed in around 230 in college last year, so a little smaller, but uh, that could be one of those movable piece guys, maybe a Davis Gaither type of guy that uh, Anaruma would like to to do some stuff with. So, anyway, a little bit on him. What we have here now is, uh, you said Ivan Pace and...
1: Well, I think South Deary makes a little bit more sense mm-hmm. here. Um, like, they they not-so-secretly love day three offensive linemen. they drafted one in, like, 15 of the past 20 drafts. They could still use some competition at, like, either guard spot.
0: Carter Warren.
1: Carter Oh, yeah, Carter Warren from Pitt. Um, it's just hard, man. Like, there doesn't like unless they get a tackle that falls them in round one. It's hard, kind of matching them with a tackle after that, and just because it's not a very good class. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'd say either. Uh... Let's see who else was there. Um, yeah, we got uh, DTR out there too. Um, yeah. I think it might it might be a little early for that would have to probably be a little bit later in the draft for them to go there. But uh Sal Devery or Pace for me. Um and uh I would be I would be fine with either one of those.
1: I'm down with Soldary. Um I've heard nothing but good things about him as a person. And again, just a development offensive lineman day three. That's that's typically down the Bengals pass. Let's go with him. Okay. A long way between rounds five and six. You're probably
0: not going to make a lot of friends skipping on Ivan Pace there, but that's all right.
1: We went with him last week. You know, we gave him props. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, There's DTR right there, um, and this would probably be where where they would um, try and make a move for someone like that if they wanted to. Again, they met with him, so that would show... Uh, you know, obviously they're, they're definitely interested there. maffy from UCLA. Some people like him too. Travis Dye, that poor guy, productive guy, just blew out his knee as a super senior last year, <laughs> um, late in the year. Don't, that's not good for him. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, do you dare go backup quarterback here? Do you, I mean, is that, do we look at punter at this point? I mean, maybe, maybe next round as well. Uh,
1: well, I think you, you Jack of course a little bit more valuable than punter to me. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you took, you had five picks, right? You basically secured all five
0: needs. Corner uh, running back tight end. Uh, and last pick edge. was, Oh yeah. Edge and, and tackle. Then offensive tackle. Yeah.
1: So I'm not against taking a quarterback that you believe has some upside to just develop behind burrow. Um, uh, my, the only, uh, like, I could see them double-dipping at running back if they want to completely remake that group. Evan Hall makes a ton of sense as mm-hmm. college football's leader for receptions last year. He's characterized as an energizer bunny by the Northwestern staff for how hard he works in practice. So if they want to double-dip running at, at running back, that makes sense. But I, I think the sixth round is fine to take DTR because, again, I don't know how many roster spots you have open. You basically handle all your needs. You, you can have a little luxury here.
0: Yeah, Um can you go do we we didn't do IDL? Can you look can you look at that real quick?
1: Yeah, so one really stuck out. Um not Jonah Tyvey, he's got like my wingspan. Uh Deswan <laughs> Johnson, who has been up with the Bengals at least twice in the pre draft process. He has like 47 okay. and a half careers tackle for losses, but I feel like this is he's probably a round seven guy because he might go undrafted and picking so late in the seventh round is essentially just taking a guy that yeah. like you're gonna target and undrafted for agency
0: yeah all right so would we would we say dtr yeah i'm down with that all right all right
1: we already got a scouting report so nah <laughs> but yeah this is a solid draft um realistic who knows who's to say but yeah
0: and you're you're got oh no there he is digital One johnson right there yeah yeah nilon is interesting from sc um yeah, I mean, if they're showing interest in in Johnson, that that usually is pretty indicative that they're you know.
1: Ronnie Bell would make sense too, slot receiver. Yeah. I, I think a team captain on Michigan, but yeah, it's probably between these two. And I, I think Johnson's, yeah, I think I think he's got upside, and I think they need like a penetrating three tech. So let's go ahead and finish the draft with him. All right. I'm predicting the B, B, plus. I don't think they'd love taking running backs in the second round, whoever does the PFF. Oh, okay, B minus for Sharp. D for Brendan Strange.
0: That's an A to- that's an A total grade. It's not bad. There you go. I love that. Gotta love A's. You know? Gotta love when you get an A. What what is your what is your favorite pick of this class here? What's oh, it's Forbes.
1: Pick? It's Forbes. He really he's, he's a top fifteen player in this class at one of the most important positions he's going to start next year he's going to play this year because injuries are inevitable a cornerback specifically for the Bengals and he's got everything that I value ball skills tenacity as a run defender he'll grow into his frame as much as he can but even if he doesn't he plays bigger than the size like Charbonnet is great I think he'll do fine at running back I think Brandon Strange fits well with what James Casey looks for in tight ends and I think your day three guys are nice developmental guys but Forbes he's going to make a bigger impact than people think and that's why he's probably going to go in the top 25 picks.
0: Look, for not, you know, doing trades and, you know, working out a, a Jonah Williams thing, I mean, this is pretty much positional need and and talent as as good as it can kind of, I mean, not I don't know if it's absolutely perfect, but it's one of the better ways that, that you can go there. Um strange, I got to look more into him, quite honestly. You know, you're you're saying he's some some have him more day three, um, and you're you're saying he's he could be round three. So I want to look a little bit more into him. Um, but but good good stuff, John. I mean, I think hey, when you get an A, especially from PFF, you gotta <laughs> like that. So thanks for firing that up. Let us know what you think about that draft. And we no more going, mock drafts. No more mock drafts. We are done. we we are done. We are done. So that being said, um, we are going to bring up the interview with lee steinberg had the opportunity to talk with him and a lot of fun go went down memory lane and of course um he's got a great agent agent academy coming up and we'll, we'll hear about that and of course um you know steinberg sports one of the he's one of the most iconic guys john i mean. He's just, Jerry Maguire was based after him, in case yeah. people didn't know. Um, loosely, loosely, but based after him. Kajana Carter made a cameo in that in that movie, by the way, in case you didn't know. A client of his, we mentioned a few of those. But without further ado, here is our interview with Mr. Lee Steinberg. We spoke to him a little bit earlier, and uh, it's it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun talking with him. So enjoy this. I know I did, and we did. on the NFL calendar and of course it calls for one of the biggest guests you can get especially this time of year, as it goes with the NFL draft I am Anthony Cazenza this is the Orange and Black Insider part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network and I am joined by none other than NFL legend super agent Lee Steinberg joining us once again and last time we had John it was a very special time in Bengals uh Bengals schedule I guess Bengals time given that they were on the way to the Super Bowl and now here we are a couple years later NFL draft and uh, you know a thing or two about this weekend don't you sir?
2: It's my favorite day of the year it's all the hopes and dreams and practices and sacrifice both for an athlete and his extended families from Pop Warner on have all led up to this event and then it breaks in joy uh, when the player finally gets drafted. And even if he's disappointed by what round he's drafted, and he's still happy that a player took him. So it's um, uh, my favorite day of the year. And um, some of the players go to Kansas City uh, this week, but a lot of them will stay home and they get to have their extended families, their aunts, uncles, their High school coach, everybody with them, and some of those things are actually getting sponsored now. Uh, so it's draft day by uh, uh, wing Stop or some other group. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh yeah, everybody's got their hand in, in something uh, this weekend. That's that's for sure. But um, happy to have you with us talking about the NFL draft. I, I guess before kind of we get into some of your Bengals-centric experiences with some players and some other facets of the draft i guess you know one one thing i just that comes to mind every time uh, this this event rolls around is i mean you see things on tv i i've been to the draft and covered it as well for the for the website so i got a different look at that too but you know you see things on tv in terms of like you know when the players get called and you know some of the drama that that the, the, the tv likes to build up you know the networks like to build up i mean how how close to accurate is is all of that or is it Is it a bit unpredictable or is it a little bit more predictable than some of these networks like to play on?
2: So just understand that what makes it hard, if you're not an agent or a player to accurately follow, is that teams are not sharing their intimate draft secrets with other teams through the press. So you read these statements by general managers and team personnel And um, there's a generalized amnesty on lying or misleading uh, this week. You know, so if a general manager goes up to St. Peter after his life is over at the doors to heaven and St. Peter (laughs) says, what's the most egregious sin you did on earth? And he said, well, I misled our public about what we were going to do in the draft. St. Peter would say, come right in. (laughs) So what you have uh, is it's very difficult to follow. One of the biggest questions I'm always asked is why are they taking 10 full minutes to make a pick in the first round when they obviously have had a draft board for months, have done computer simulations as to exactly who might be there? when their turn comes up, have already done the pro and cons of that, have already decided who they're taking under any possible uh, combination. They're trading. They're listening to trade offers from a team that wants to come into their position or conversely, they're trying to move into a higher position. But the point is that's, that's what happening. Now, if you represent a player, Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going through scouting. Well, teams are being very honest about what their intentions are. So the key is to recognize who those teams are that don't just like your player, but are so excited they want to take them off the board. And when you know who those teams are, it's not such a uh, mysterious process. You're pretty sure that it might not be team one, but one of those four teams that has stepped out and been real uh, uh, welcoming in the draft process is probably going to be the team. So you prepare your player for that and for when he might go. So you don't have that embarrassing um, situation like where Brady Quinn ended up doing a virtual strip tease because he kept dropping below perceived. <laughs> The draft yeah, guy. it was the, the, the sport coat came off, and then I
0: think he had, like, the vest and that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt bad, obviously, when that when that situation
2: took it place. Feels terrible, but here's the thing, Anthony. Just remember, at the end of it, this player who the experts projected to go number six, who went number 15 instead, is still the 15th best player in the entire country. And yeah. it's going to get a big contract, so they make it look like, uh, you know, The the tragic uh, uh, collapse of someone's hopes and dreams It's not. At the end of it, there's still a high draft pick. It just wasn't where the prognosticators said they'd go.
0: Yep, building the drama. We're talking, of course, to NFL giant Lee Steinberg of Steinberg Steinberg Sports and Entertainment and, of course, the architect behind the Agent Academy. We'll hear about that in just a little bit here. I have a, a question for you because... Obviously, I know quite a bit about your storied history with the league and the players you've represented. We'll get to some of the former Bengals you represented as well. But have you ever had a player that was dealt and traded on draft day, whether they demanded it themselves or, um, you know, the the team just kind of happened to move them for a pick? The reason I ask this, and it's okay if the answer is no, but the reason I ask this is because the Bengals are in a situation now where they signed uh, a guy who protected your client, Patrick Mahomes, Orlando Brown Jr., um, they signed him, and now uh, there's their what their former starting left tackle, Jonah Williams is potentially asking for a trade here. That's something Bengals fans are monitoring this weekend. So I don't know. have you well, the best you, way
2: of getting traded is not to say anything. Yeah. because what happens when a player steps out and says, "You must trade me publicly' then what happens is the rest of the league knows that the incumbent team's got a problem on their hands and offers ridiculously weak uh, trade offers. And it makes it harder to trade the player for someone respectfully. If you think that another place is better, that's fine. But make all that behind the scenes to give your team the best chance to actually, uh, uh, this is unintended consequences where you ask for the public trade and it makes it much harder to trade Yeah,
0: so we'll see what happens there. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement with you with the the fact that you know, I mean, the player diminishes the re- the return for the team when that when that uh, you know trade me kind of ultimatum is put out there. So we'll see what happens with the Bengals in that situation. There, I, I do want to transition a little bit because you have a lot of history with the Cincinnati Bengals, particularly in the 1990s. With some high draft picks, be it Dan Wilkinson, Kajana Carter, Akili Smith, David Klingler. I want to start with with the latter real quick because I, you know, when we were talking about getting you on, I did a little bit of research, and I found this image, and I want to share this image with you. But there was a a bit of a surprise with David Klingler, if I remember correctly, and I think you had said. You know, this is a picture of you and him on, on the couch, I believe, and you look pretty shocked in that picture. I believe you had said that there has been minimal, if not no, conversations with the Bengals with you or in, seemingly interest with, with in David Klingler during this draft. And so you were kind of shocked when the Bengals pulled the trigger there, particularly when they still had Boomer assisen on the team.
2: So that's ESPN on live with David Klingler, my son. And uh, we're watching the draft. So we've got it all charted out, like I told you, hot teams. So Cincinnati wasn't one of them. So we were just sitting waiting for the next picks to come up because we knew he'd be picked later. Well, the Bengals picked him. And and to my everlasting uh, uh, regret, I said, oh, no, Mike Brown. (laughs) you know, which you you wouldn't have uh, said publicly, but uh, it all started in 1975 where I had Steve Bartkowski. And then the second player who asked me to represent him was a punter wide receiver Mm -hmm. named Pat McAnally. And um, back then there was no guaranteed right of representation the team could simply say, we don't deal with agents. And that's how it started. Mike Brown said, well, I'm not talking to you. We don't deal with agents. And and that got the relationship going about the way it continued.
0: Well, it's a, it's a funny, uh, definitely a funny anecdote, funny story. And that image I came across, I was like, wow, that's just a, an image that speaks a, a lot of words, particularly with unfortunately how the trajectories of some of those picks went, the careers of those. So, um, you know, we're we're talking, of course, with Lee Steinberg, um, mega agent and the inspiration behind the Jerry Maguire movie and, uh, you know, just catching up with him, obviously, during draft weekend. Nothing like talking some football with him. Some of the other people that you have represented, um, you know, one one particular and I think he made a cameo in the Jerry Maguire movie, if I'm not mistaken, is Kajana Carter. Um, and he surprisingly when I think the Bengals traded up and got, took him number one overall, unfortunately the, the knee injury, um you know, kind of derailed his career, so to speak. But what did you, did you have an idea that the Bengals were going to do that with Kajana Carter going forward? I mean, how, how far in advance was this kind of in, in
2: the works uh going into that weekend? So that was 1995 and um I had two players that were slated probably to go to number one and number two in the draft because Carolina had the first pick. And I had a quarterback, Terry Collins, that they especially wanted. So I remember talking to Carolina and them saying, you know, we're, uh, we're going to take Terry Collins number one, and Jacksonville was number two, and they were going to take uh, Tony Baselli. Um, uh, No, Jacksonville was number two. They were going to take a Donna Carter. But right in the middle of that, um, Cincinnati traded up and took Carolina's space. Cincinnati was five and Carolina was one, and they flipped spots. And so, um, again, teams are pretty honest about their interest and intention as long as the agent doesn't cross-fertilize the information you're getting. In other words, let it out to other teams. So we knew that he liked that. And, and of course, Mike Brown's um, singular focus is always on Ohio State. And uh, Kajana didn't go there. He went to Penn State, but he's from Westerville, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. So I think they had a special feeling in it. <clears throat> you'll never really have a sense for just how great Kajana would have been because he had a non-contact injury where he blew out his knee and nobody hit him. He just said, my foot stuck in the rug. Stuck in the rug.
0: Oh my gosh. That, uh, and that unfortunately has been the story of a lot of different high picks from the Cincinnati Bengals, Um, you know, be it just not working out or, or injuries and, um, yeah, unfortunately, too, their own stadium was kind of one that uh, derailed quite a quite a few careers here. Transitioning, if you would, just a little bit to this year's class, um, and kind of what what are you seeing, and what are you hearing, what are you expecting to happen over the course of uh, you know the, this weekend here? Any, any big surprises towards the top of the draft? And of course, if you're if you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at the in that first round there, where they're picking at 28. Where where do you think that they may be looking, or have you heard any rumors on that front?
2: Not much, but the reality is today in football, it's all about the franchise quarterback, a quarterback that you can win uh, because of rather than with, um, a uh, quarterback that you can build around for the next 10 to 12 years, and who, importantly, in critical adversity, someone – has thrown a couple of interceptions. The crowd's booing. The game is hitting up. <laughs> and what does he do? There can he elevate his level of play and take a team to and through the Super Bowl? So that's what teams are, are looking for. They're looking for Joe Burrow. They're looking for Patrick Mahomes. They're looking for uh, Aaron Rodgers or Justin Herbert or or uh, uh, Baltimore's quarterback and, and Lamar Jackson and. So I think you could see as many as four or five quarterbacks go. Now, if they're ranked the same as a position player, because of the intense desire and the fact that a team never wants to be that high in draft order again, they can get bumped up and picked before. So it's entirely possible that in the first six or seven picks, you'll see um, uh, Bryce Young go to Carolina and then um, – O.J. McDuffie go to Indianapolis and somebody will uh, take uh, Anthony Richardson from uh, Florida. Someone will take uh, Will Levis from uh, Kentucky Mm -hmm. and maybe even um, Hooker. And so I think you'll see that happen in a normal draft. The first pick would be the defensive tackle from. From uh, Georgia, but he got into some off the field yeah. shenanigans, and teams are petrified to take a, a draft pick higher who underachieves because then they're stuck with uh, they paid the bonus, they have a, a all that money against the cap, and now the player doesn't uh, doesn't work out. So I think that's the way uh, the draft goes. Quarterbacks pretty high, and then after that, you'll start seeing. Uh, offensive and defensive linemen and then of course
0: I mean I, I'm sure you'll agree that you know with the you know the way that the CBA now um, was restructured about a little over a decade now and continues to be that the fact that uh, you know rookie rookie salaries and wages are far less than what some of those contracts you negotiated for those those top picks for the Cincinnati Bengals so I mean I guess what I'm saying is that Teams are way more apt to take a little bit more of a chance on some of these players because the financial risk is far, far lower than what it used to be 15 plus years ago.
2: It's lower um, in in the sense that the salary years are capped, um, but you're still paying a big signing bonus in those yeah. 10 to 15 uh, picks. The first player drafted probably gets $24 million, and the cap experiences biggest one-year hike ever and the football is rolling in money they did a new tv contract where uh, for the next um, uh, 10 years uh, Fox went up by 83 percent and so did um, CBS and so the sport is just whether it's from stadium naming rights or luxury boxes or merchandise and they or now gambling or or, um everything, uh, TV revenues off the top. And so uh, teams are in especially great shape this year. Talking with Lee Steinberg, and
0: we're going to hear about the Agent Academy he has coming up along with uh, all of the great things that he does for the sports community. Before we do, you mentioned both their names quickly. I got to ask you about this. You obviously represent the great Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow has now – Brought uh really ascended the Bengals to a you know a conference powerhouse. And these two teams have clashed over the past two years in some of the, the best football games of the year, be it postseason or regular season. I would just love to get your thoughts as you represent Patrick Mahomes, like I said, your thoughts on this rivalry, how it's budding, and uh really kind of becoming usually you see this kind of animosity or or friendly competition, whatever is somewhere in between. Usually you see it in the division. Not really across divisions like this, but these two teams are really starting to kind of build a, a really great rivalry.
2: I remember going to uh, golf terms back in the day that had uh, Dan Marino and John Elway and Warren Moon and Steve Young and Troy Aikman there. And these people ended up the best of friends because there are <laughs> a few people who can really understand what the position's about, what the pressures are and they end up being big admirers of each other so i can't go into the head of those two players but i will tell you it would greatly surprise me if they w- didn't have a mutual admiration society
0: i would i would agree with you i think there's a lot of mutual respect there i think just because both teams are so very good both quarterbacks are so very good that's where the competition is and that's where the fire burns so um You can uh, congratulations on all of your success over many, many years representing so many players in the league. I know you've got uh, a couple of special projects. You have a great, and I'm going to put the the link in our uh, description to the, uh, the Amazon link to your book, the agent published a handful of years ago, my 40 year career making deals and changing the game. Uh, So we'll put that in there and promote that as well. But you also have a special project, the agent Academy. I'm going to pull up a Twitter account and we'll put that in the description as well. Tell tell us a little bit about that, if you would, how people could get involved and, um, you know, just uh, what you got going there.
2: So we have two of them coming up. One is Las Vegas, which is uh, a couple days, uh, July 23rd and 24th. And then we're doing one September 1st on the net, which will be done via Zoom. So what I wanted to do was pass down the accumulated knowledge of 49 years to a new generation of sports professionals. And they come out of law school and business school and sports marketing and, and undergrad and very enthusiastic. But we thought, can we train them? And what we do is we teach about the art of recruiting, and then we have an exercise where they go and they actually have to recruit a real player. Uh, We talk about Mm -hmm. the art of negotiating, and then they actually have to go out and uh, negotiate. We talk about how to market and to brand and to deal with NILs, and uh, we have exercises on that. And then crisis control, what do you do when the athlete, hopefully you've prevented it, but what do you do when the athlete gets in trouble? And so, uh, and charitable in communities, you know, our practice is about, Athletes retracing their roots and going back to the high school community, setting up a scholarship fund, or working with the church or boys and girls club, going to the university community and uh, and helping with retrofit the weight room or give a special scholarship. And then at the pro level, a charitable foundation um, which has leading business figures, political figures, and community leaders that executes a program. So it's work done putting the 200 single mother and her family in the first home they'll ever own. And, or Patrick Mahomes, 15, and the Mahomes, which helps youth charities. So we explained to them how to do that. And so um, this is gonna be a new generation of ethical, principled uh, young agents, but they've been trained with specific skills.
0: That's awesome. And I mean, you know, I I know we've got a lot of readers and listeners on Cincy jungle and on this program that uh, are aspiring, you know, sports agents doing a lot of different things in the industry. So uh, I know they are, they will be interested in that at the agent Academy on Twitter. And of course the great Lee Steinberg joining us. Thank you so much for your time. It's always, uh, you know, anytime we get a legend on this show, I'm, I'm thrilled and you are most definitely that you have a lot of ties from the, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I think I told you the last time you were on, I'm a Southern California guy, Orange County guy. So I know you do a lot of stuff with my alma mater at Concordia University. And I know I see on Fox 11 quite a bit as well, breaking down the NFL. And I always uh, I always tune in and, and uh, always give a little tip of the cap from afar to you, sir.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thanks for your time. Take care. That was
0: Lee Steinberg, uh, the inspiration behind the Jerry Maguire movie. Guy who has represented a lot of big time players past and present, and it was it was awesome talking to him uh, a little bit earlier. And uh, man, what a guy! I storied career, John storied career to say the very very least. Oh no, Mike Brown. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's not the, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. It's That's pretty funny. I, I, you know what? I didn't expect him to say that when I saw that picture, I thought it was, you know, when I, when I read about that picture, it was more like, Oh wow. I didn't think, you know, the Bengals were interested in David Klinger because they didn't show a lot of pre-draft interest, but uh, it, it was a, a little bit of something else. I think as well, <laughs> that elicited that reaction. Well, it's been a long one. It's a little later for some, Look, uh, let's let's drop the mic and get out of here. Uh, we, we've got a big weekend ahead, John. And uh, what do you what do you have as we close up for this Wednesday evening?
1: I, I got nothing, dude. I'm just totally burnt out from a bunch of things that probably don't matter. A bunch of noise, as Steinberg kind of says, that isn't real. It's all being percolated for just keeping us amused, keeping us dancing around what the truth probably is. The Bengals will end up taking good players they may not be the players that you expect and we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow but i'm just thankful that this totally unnecessary elongated process is finally at its end
0: yeah and you know what the, the the most we can do my friend is just try and have some fun with it right i mean uh, there's there's a lot of coverage there is a lot of work that's involved so we'll have some fun with it and we'll be having a lot going forward ahead we'll bring you mohammed sanu tomorrow and all kinds of different draft coverage Looking forward to that. John, take care, and uh, we'll catch up a lot this weekend, my friend. Yes, sir. See you guys. All right. All right. Take care.